Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 34-4, and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pranil. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. Every piece of video game music that you can think of, we're going to listen to today on the show. That's a lot of music for one episode. No, which is why we break it down to topics. Oh, that's easier. That's much more doable and possible the t- and the topics aren't always a genre they're not always uh, a, a sound type or not even a musical genre sometimes they're uh, they're just wacky sometimes it's a type of wacky. sound it's a type of sound which we are going to be doing that soon with ed at some point we got to get that on and then but there's some other people we're going to have on the show too in a couple weeks maybe Is mm-hmm. that, do we have that on the schedule yes second week of october got it was for one of them okay so that's on that's on the docket we'll leave that one open for that depending on how things go tomorrow i might try to get another person on the oh, show great because there's been some music i've heard and I'm like i really like this oh no one has heard of them because well they don't get many listens for their product but i consider that to be criminal hmm. so <laughs> maybe that can change I would, a little. I would like that. Yeah, our, our our little our little listenership here. Maybe we can give them a little boost. I would like that. Oh, I would yeah. like that a lot. Um, let's see. I haven't been playing a whole lot of games. I've been reading more, which is unusual, and um, playing through unpacking, which I haven't finished yet. I, I just if I just sit down with it one more night, it'll be done. I'm surprised. Everybody I've talked to says it's fairly short. Yeah, but it's a it's a compact pleasant experience it's like i have a problem like sometimes where i get really into a game and then i put it down and i never get back to it i've never never heard of that <laughs> never heard of that that one, right? sounds like yeah. an inconceivable phenomenon sometimes Ooh. sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't yeah um so i'm also watching a bunch of like some some newer shows too i've been keeping this from you christy and i have both been keeping this from you dun, dun, dun. because the way you reacted to us or responded you to didn't us, like from no, 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 no. This is a good thing. Oh. The, uh, when we finally watched The Good Place, you were like, I told you. The ending is good. I told you. Um, well, we are finally watching um, uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, wow. It's awesome. I to- I knew it. Absolutely in love with it. He's like, we didn't want to tell you because we knew you'd say, I told you. <laughs> I told you. Well, you always be like, yeah, I'm watching Harley Quinn. It's a good show. I'm like, all right, see you, Purnell. <laughs> I'm like, it's a good show. Oh, I didn't know Ron Funches played a giant shark. Yes. I love that guy. Yeah. See? <laughs> it's so good. These and, uh, are all things Jason I've Jason Alexander's said. in it. And that I didn't say to you before, but yeah, that's a very... V- wonderful point when that comes to play like wow he's a great voice actor yeah, he's for an show. excellent voice actor on that show so yeah i've been really we've been really really enjoying harley quinn and i like the fact that it i mean i've seen a number of people dislike it but it's probably for the same reason some people dislike she hulk which is that it's people want serious a lot of the times and the case of both shows though more so i guess she hulk is more like how the comics always been but mm-hmm. with harley quinn they kind of just say you know we're just lampooning this whole universe, yeah. so nothing in that series is as is expected. Like Bruce Wayne, or rather Batman, just kind of gives the side eye to Jim Gordon on a regular basis. Like I don't want to deal with this guy; he's annoying. That Jim Gordon character is That's nuts. Like, that that is something else. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's really ridiculous. And even the Batman character. I love Bane. I just do the Bane voice in the kitchen sometimes. Oh, because he's great. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Bane is probably, I love that, kind of like what they did with him and the Joker the most. But with Bane, it's like they oh. said, hey, you know, 
He is probably one of the more menacing Batman yeah, villains the, in history, the, mainly because of the back break and yeah, plus his steroids. The biggest, scariest character. They just make him like the smallest, like comic soft, relief. The comic relief of the Injustice League. <laughs> He's so funny. It's, it's really so good. funny. I'm going to blow up that. It's surprisingly stand. violent every time we turn it on, so we can't watch a bunch at one time. So it's it's really like fast and intense, but it's it's a lot of fun. And we, we also finally watched that new Thor movie, which was really good, too. Love and Thunder? Yeah, it's fun. It's really sad. Sad? It, yeah. It gets really sad. It is wrenching at the end. Is that the thunder part of the Love and Thunder? No, but it, th- it does tie in, and I really hope they make a show based on Love and Thunder. And you have to watch it to, to understand what that means. I was say I would have to, because yeah. I'm, I'm like, how would they make a show out of it? But it's it's told in a great way. It's just off the wall. It's really off the wall. It's For a, me, I, I feel like maybe it's just because I'm really... I've had this chat with both video games and board games, and I guess music and TV, I guess, too, but... Sometimes I just wonder if I'm just easy to amuse in the sense that, like, I I come across shows, usually they're recommended to me or I'll stumble across it, but it's never, like, a blind, it's very, it's rarely a blind view. Someone, Someone's always like, kind of being like, hey, you should check this out. Yeah, yeah, but I cannot recall the time, a time where I've watched a show. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. But I can't recall a time yeah. I've watched a show and said, this show is awful. Like, I watched Black Summer. Because a random article on like rock paper shotgun or something just mentioned it in passing, and it's, it's like this is a really good zombie show. Everyone should watch this. And then I watched it, yeah. and I found myself going, "The show, everyone here is stupid." Like, yeah, yeah, you were talking about that in the last episode. You're like, "Man, these are all dumb people." Yeah, and yet I I finished watching the show two nights ago, oh, and wow. <laughs> I was still entertained. Like, I didn't come away going, "This show sucked." I came away going, "That character was good." I like the way this character played out. Mm-hmm. These people were morons, and none of this would have played out in this way unless the writers were intentionally trying to write these people to do stupid things. Like, I can't. But I didn't come away saying, this is a god-awful show. I came away saying, these people were stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I was still entertained. <laughs> they were kind of written that way, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I get that. Like, there's, there's very few things I, I, I turn on that I'm like, uh, but that's because I'm not turning on just anything, probably. That is true. Like, for example, another show, like a friend of mine is watching Dahmer right now. Oh, and I don't know. Were, I'm not ready for that. Oh, and this word, this, this, yeah. it's interesting that you say that regard because I'm not particularly interested in that show either. And I have no intentions of watching. Right. However, the friend was telling me about it. I said, what do you think of Dahmer? And he go because he was like, I'm watching this with the wife. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, it's actually really good, but it's extremely unnerving and unsettling. I'm like, well... It's about Jeffrey Dahmer. If it wasn't either of those things, they did right. something wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to watch it because I don't want to be unnerved and unsettled. But I know that if I were going to watch that, it would provide those things to me, and I'd still likely be entertained by the way in which it's intending to entertain me. Sure. But I won't watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, I find that almost like the, the, the entertainment out of that feeling and out of those tragic horrible stories almost it feel, doesn't feel it doesn't sit right with me sometimes and so I'm like I'm not I just can't do it so here's another question yeah. now we're talking about oh, and this I have, sort of topic I have, some, I have some, also some news I want to say at the top of the show too that people should know about oh that's going to be good but, but real quick but so, you know what it is no I don't yeah. yet. but hold it because I don't want I don't want, I want I want to end the topic and then move on to the new topic so like the I last, am running for president 2024 no you're not you I'm, could you not that I, I'm, I'm not my, saying that you could. My I mean, platform is the Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> Good lord! I don't think either of us can handle politics. They would eat like, us alive. Go ahead, go ahead. But like, uh, this is a question for you, but also for listeners, they want to respond or whatnot. Oh, it yeah. came up recently. 
Yeah. The concept, and it's released in October, obviously. The concept of spooky movies mm-hmm. and spooky things. Yeah. Does it feel kind of not possible to have spooky mm-hmm. without scary? Like, yeah. I've seen uh, a guy make a yes. post. Yes. Really? Yes. Like, absolutely. I can. I, there's. There are some spooky shows that don't scare me. I feel like those are two real different things. Well, like, don't get me wrong. Like, here's the thing about this. So you said they don't scare you, but. Say for so say for example, I guess like the monsters because I'm also that'd be like a prime example people would give, right? Like the monsters or something like that. Like they're like comedies. They're kooky. They're kooky. They're spooky. Mysteriously so they're, ooky. They're 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 oh, that's the Adams family. They're they're more ninety percent kooky, ten percent spooky. Spooky. But if you're talking like spooky, there's plenty of spooky out there. There's um, there's there's these uh, there's these this these three there's these three movies on Netflix that came out last year called like. It's not Fright Night. It's it's um ah oh, there's there's three movies that they take place in the nineties and there's one that takes place like in the eighteen hundreds. And it's it's a, they're like slasher flicks. Are they meant to be in a series? They're in a series. They're amazing, amazing movies. They're really fun to watch. Definitely spooky. They're not scary. Now, and that's an interesting layer because they're what, spooky. Like the idea of they're not scary, like in the context that you're using, I'm guessing, is that a movie that's written to be scary, but then you watch and that's not scary at all. In a sense that you're you're not, it doesn't hit you, but yeah. it can hit this person with it, right? So the reason why this even came up because I saw somebody make a comment where he said, uh, they made a statement where he said, here are a bunch of spooky movies you can watch if you don't want to be scared. Mm, okay. Now, my take on that is I have a high threshold for scary things. Yes. Now, if it was in real life, no, I can scare very easily. That's why I carry a bat. But... And it comes to film and TV, I always kind of have that thing where like, I rationalize most of the oh, stuff, sure, right? Oh, sure, sure, yeah. So even though it's written to be scary or thrillers, mm-hmm. it doesn't really hit me. But I still acknowledge that it's supposed to be scary on some level. I'll say, like, at, and for me, it's it. my threshold's very low. <laughs> but, like, it's because when, if I'm going to go see a scary movie mm-hmm. or meant to be scary movie, I tend to, which is not frequently because I have a low threshold, is because I'm in the mood for it. I mm-hmm. want to be scared, and I'll usually go into it um, like kind of sleepy, or maybe I've had a drink or something, and like it's late, or watch it real late. You're more relaxed, and I'm like I'm like kind of open to a dreamlike state in which all of these insane things are possible to scare the crap out. Oh, of you me. prep yourself to be extra scared. Well, yeah, because if I'm not, then like okay, okay, okay. It's like getting on a roller coaster and the whole time being like, this is nothing. You know, like like, like going into it knowing that you're not going to be scared, going into it prepared for all for everything uh-huh. is, is defeating the purpose. Oh, for me, I like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I guess like, I can see that, but like, I just find myself being like, you know. But I like spooky, but I can watch spooky anytime. Mm-hmm. Like if it's just, if it just looks kind of like a little unnerving on suddenly, um, uh, um, uh, the, the haunting on the Hill House or something like that on Netflix, like those are spooky. Those okay. get a little scary, but they're mainly spooky. And because of that spookiness kind of feeling, um, I find there's a lot of fun. But if it was meant to be scary, scary, like sometimes it, it doesn't really work for me unless it's like something else. There, uh, we Christy and I ages ago we went to see the Rob Zombie movie House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, that I, 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 and read I was so annoyed by that movie. I not. I don't think we watched to the end because I was. I was so irritated by the fact that he was like, 
Look how scary this is. <laughs> Look how many people are being murdered. It Lots was like, of it, death. It was like a 14-year-old was like... You like blood? was like, look at this. Blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and I'm like, are they... And, 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 and it's presented in a way... We get I'm, it. I'm They're so psychotic. Annoyed. And it's presented in a way that's supposed to be like, this is scary. And I'm like, this is this is not. This is stupid. This is like um, like like 1990s comic book like gore. Like It was just so lame. I, I just... Because it was presented now, if it was presented to be campy and spooky, I'll admit I'm amazed. I would have, I would have, I would have said, I'm amazed you were even able to bring yourself to go to the movie because all I remembered about it before oh. I eventually read the synopsis, kid yeah. you not, four months ago. Um, oh really? Was the freaking just the trailer was like, that and I'm like, that just seems so dumb. I like know. I have no interest in this. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I mean, there was a time, especially early in our relationship, where we would see every movie in the theater. It didn't matter what it was. We saw every movie. That makes sense. Like we got we go on a date two or three in the same day. Jesus, we would just that would be like our whole day. We would go to one movie. Did you theater hop? Oh yeah, we go to one movie and the next one starts in five minutes. We would like go to the bathroom, (laughs) get a hot dog, and go back to the next one. I actually learned about that concept from Tiny (laughs) Toon Adventures. Oh, it's so it's they don't make it that hard to do. And and also, I mean, I used to work there, so a lot of the people knew me at Regal. That was ages ago when 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 people who were there still knew me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and because before that, I was just getting free tickets, and and, and then I saw everything. <laughs> it didn't matter what it was. I think I saw like Runaway Bride and all that. Like I didn't care. Did I, she get away? She oh, she ran. <laughs> she ran Bullock. away. Bullock ran. All right, I know we're 13 minutes in, but we gotta say, our YouTube radio station is down until December, and that is because me and Pernell did a very bad thing and stole. Some music from Square Enix. And by that, what we actually are saying is we just we said, hey, this is good music. You should listen to right. it. Why wouldn't we have Final Fantasy music from the Super Nintendo era on the radio station that plays Super Nintendo music? Why wouldn't we have um, Chrono Trigger and Saiken Densetsu music on a, on a classic Super Famicom radio station? Or Dragon Warrior. Well, they didn't like that, and now we have two copyright strikes, and I'm not going to risk getting our YouTube station taken down. Exactly. It so, sucks, but it's 100% makes sense. So we have a couple months, I guess more than a couple months, till December when the strikes fall off and we're just going to put it back on, but we're not but without any square music. So until then, we're going to be filling it up with lots of other music. I'm going to be spending a lot of time creating new backgrounds and visuals. So it'll be back in a it'll be back in a good way. But for now, we got to stay on the right side of the law. I mean, we, they gave us fair warning. I mean, they sent us that letter. <laughs> letter. Remember, it's like, hey, we'll shoot you if you don't comply. Remember, they sent us the thing, and they were like, hey, look, your guys are playing Final Fantasy music. And I was like, oh, they caught Final Fantasy V. I'll just take Final Fantasy V off. And that wasn't enough. I thought you forgot. Well, there was one song. Okay, there's one song. One song! It run, There's like hours and hours of music. It, I'm I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed by these people. It's extremely annoying to it, me. And I, it, it, think about this. Of all the game companies, of all the products that are on there, it was Square. But well, then again, you picked your Square and the fact that they're still making bank off of the like, yearly concerts for the same games, which, again, I'm not knocking that because I've gone on a number of them, Distant Worlds and all that. It's, but nonetheless, yeah. it's still something you can call out under the context is that they still have these yearly concerts playing the same music we've been listening to since the 90s. Yeah. And they're like, 
you can't give that away for free, even though people are listening to it on their games all the time or yeah. on their MP3 players. I, yeah, I mean, it's they. I've looked them up um, because I was curious about if, if if Square has had if there's not some kind of loophole, but if there's something we could do to present it to them in a way that we, like, this is not harmful, or maybe that maybe what we're doing isn't exactly against their copyright protection laws, but it is, and they're very they're very very strict because when I looked them up. Most of the YouTube videos and articles I've read were people who produce Final Fantasy XIV, the, the MMO uh-huh. content. Oh, they were taking down their content on their game. Lots of them. Because you imagine, like, that, that MMO has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. That community is deep. Yes. And so you imagine all of, like, the fanfic and videos and cartoons and, and remixes and videos and music stuff. Squares like, no! That they cannot have on YouTube. Tons of people got their their, their stations taken down. Mm. Like, this this is, this is goes far beyond Nintendo and... Um, this is just the monster all that, that is Square this, this is tough. Like, I'm really annoyed. And it makes me sad, and now they'll stop yeah, dragging this topic, is the fact that I found myself really toward, like, when that actually occurred... I was like, I'm done with Square Enix, but then I was like, but I like their games. Yeah. And they're actually not, like, they're not actually violating any sort of trust or anything. They're just going by their, they're abiding by the law that's on their side. Yeah, it's just really I strange. just hate them for doing it. And I'm like, should I take that as a sign to say not play their games anymore? Nah. Not really. No. But I'm still annoyed when I play Diofield Chronicle. But I mean, like, I mean, if we're going to start now, start this episode with just everyone just saying right now, Boycott Square Enix because of what they did to my YouTube station. Go for it, please. No, I'm kidding. No, nah, I, do I wouldn't don't want do to do that. This is stupid. Yeah, it's just you know we'll be back up in December. We'll yeah. be back up in December. Anything that's Square, anything that's Enix, will be off because in the '90s there were two different companies. That's right. So now and sometimes they just publish the thing and nothing to do with it, and that's got to go too. So I'm I'm really annoyed. I mean, just to be safe because I don't want to mess with it again. Oh, oh yeah, it's their property now, right? So. All right. This speaking of work, <laughs> speaking of doing all that work, this week we're talking about we're talking about games that feel like work. Exactly, game, games that feel like jobs. Exactly, and that that context is extremely important. That's the exact phrasing because yeah. we asked this question around, around a table with friends, yeah, and everyone, as intended, mind you, took it to mean something different. Which means it was a good topic. Yeah, some people said like uh, "Papers, Please" or like "Job Simulator" or stuff like that. But like, here you go. My first track. This is an even numbered episode. One of Rob Hubbard's. My 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 opinion. One of Rob Hubbard's greatest soundtracks on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Dianetics Unleashed. The first game I thought felt like a job in my young life. Dianetics Unleashed. <laughs> L. Rob Hubbard. This is a Skate or Die Two. The Search for Double Trouble. And we're gonna listen to the beach. Okay. Let's go. Thank you. 
day at the beach. <laughs> I can hear the seagulls. Oh, man. Stealing my froze. This is The Beach from Skater Die 2, The Search for Double Trouble on the NES, composed by Rob Hubbard. I, this is one of my favorite soundtracks, and like, kind of ironically one of my favorite games on the NES, because it's not great, but it's so different, um, and it's just, it's just... It just kind of changed the way I viewed video games as a kid. It's a fine example of that NES trait. I feel like I say NES because I can think of a number of games that did this on that console where the sequel is very, very, very different from the game that came before it. Very, very different. Yeah, so Skate or Die was like just a series of sports events, almost almost all of them one-on-one sports events. On skateboards. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a joust event in that game? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You were like in a pool. Yeah, but, you, like, had, you had those so, bars. I, I could, I would love to see like a modern take on that game. But in Skater Die Two, it was a adventure game, and you had um, like the skate shop guys were running around, and if you found them, you could trade in the items you picked up for new skateboards and, and or in new tricks. Mm-hmm. You, you gave them CDs and tacos for the currency. Um, that just is, sounds disgusting. I know the tacos just pick them off off the ground, and then you had a um, a paint gun which you can use to like shoot the bad guys and or the rival gang. Okay, so double trouble is a ramp, is is one of those like half pipe ramps. Okay, with a little half pipe in the middle of it. So okay, that's, that's the double trouble. That's part. the double trouble. The, the the story of the game is that you're just a young kid, young skateboarding kid, who wants who wants he's petitioning the mayor to let you build a skate park with double trouble ramp. In the city, okay. Um, so I think the first stage is there's a rival gang in the city, and they're just trying to like get in your way. And then the second stage is you're gonna you're gonna put the um, the, the double trouble whatever blueprints to the mayor, but it costs money. Okay. So you get a job, and you go to the mall, and the mall is you have to go from store to store delivering goods. But you don't know where the stores are unless you write it down while you're playing it because it, there's no map. And you're going by so fast on a skateboard. And then at the same time, if you go past a cop, the cop chases you. And the, the cop runs faster than you can skateboard. <laughs> oh, it's How does so, that even work? He's like, I don't roid it up it's cops. It's so fast, so fast, so fast. And so it's just one of the hardest. And so that's, that's the job, man. It's just memorization, going from place to place. It's not even fun anymore. And then, um, and then once you get all that done... You, you turn in the blue, you go ahead, the blueprints, you have the money, you're going to City Hall, and you go past the beach, and then a gust of wind comes and blows all of the papers away. And now it's, it's the exact same thing. You're running around like two or three different like um, areas of the beach, back and forth, trying to find these pieces of paper. And every single one of these has a time limit. And if the time limit runs out, then it's, it's completely game over. You're starting back from like stage one again. Oof, that explains why I never passed the it's, mall awful it's just i mean the animation's great the gameplay is is interesting but it is just punishing it is punishing i think so, the funniest part is that t- it only took yeah. it took me till today to learn what double trouble referred to i just assumed they were looking for trouble yeah actual I, trouble i mean maybe it's like a double entendre that's that's what it is like it's it's the bad guys looking for trouble but you're a good guy but you're no but there are bad guys trying to stop you from building the thing or i forget because the second the, the fourth stage which is the final stage of the game is in a warehouse that's like a maze and you're looking for the boss. That's all I remember. I've only gotten to it once. Name uh, is DT. I forget what the whole story about that's about. But then when you start the game, you can choose between the um, the main adventure mode or score attack on the ramp, which was a completely different gameplay. It that was, was more like them saying, this is tied the skater die. See, there's a ramp. Yeah, but it was really good. I would spend hours playing just that. And then there was a Game Boy version called the Tour to Thrash, 
which was like, um, it, you remember how Sonic Two with the half pipe? Mm-hmm. It was like that on the Game Boy, where like you had two skateboarders and like the half pipe would kind of move around. Were they fighting each other inside you, of it? You, you could bump each other, but it was mainly a race, huh. and that was a lot of fun. But there's a second mode, which was the ramp. Okay. But yeah. there, uh, one more thing. This ramp in the Game Boy version had all these hidden like little things you could do. You could like knock over seagulls like that were flying in the air, and then if you earned like a certain number of points, and you did a special move on like one side of the ramp, you would actually rock. Your your skateboard would stop. A rocket would pop out from under the skateboard, and you would fly into space. And there was the ramp on the moon. And it's like you, a second ramp. Yeah, but it was on the moon, so there was like zero, like there was like lower gravity, and so you could like do these amazing like combos of tricks. See, I had never accomplished. It was any only of that. only on the Game Boy version. Ah, that's yeah, why. Yeah. I've only ever played Bad and Red on the Game and Boy, and that's only because like like I only had so many games on my Game Boys. So I played that over and over and over and over again. Um, what was Bad and Rad like? That was an actual like action that, game of sorts. It was some levels where that was you, Konami. That was Konami produced, I think. Right. I would have to say yes. Yeah. I'm recalling the Konami symbol, but basically that game was completely different. It was two styles of stages. There were side scrolling stages. Which involved like you know, platforming, hopping and bopping, like you could stomp people with your skateboard. Um, but you were no, you riding on your skateboard on the platforming stage. the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yes, some of that it made for some of the platforming really frustrating. I bet. And then the other types of levels were sort of slalom stages, but you'd be in location. So one oh. level you'd be at the beach, skateboarding downwards on the beach. So you're at the top of the screen going down. Um, I can't remember what the other one like that was. I think it was like a sewer line or something. But the beach one is the one I remember the most. I, I still hum the music from that level on a regular basis. <laughs> it's the only track in the game that I straight up remember and just listen to in my head all the time. Yeah, I'm, always, I'm curious because uh, we played some of that music on our show because I see the composers on that. And I'm like, oh, that's really not. I, that's Because Rob Hubbard, to me, is the sound of Skate or Die. The fact that there's like a Japanese you know, uh, composition so, music team mm-hmm. on a Skate or Die game was very interesting to me. Well, you have to, give, you have to definitely yeah. listen to the beach theme when you get a chance. Yeah, let's check that out. Good. Um, Oh, man. One of my other favorite, all-time favorite skateboarding games, probably my favorite of all time, is 720. I've actually never played that either, but oh, I remember seeing the box a lot. It's it's really, really good. On the NES version, it's like kind of stripped down, but like it's it's a lot of fun. I'm guessing back then someone was already capable of doing a 720, too. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a trick on the game box. But I'm yeah, trying to remember yeah, when yeah, the I first so. time someone pulled that off was. I don't know. The, the big one was Tony Hawk doing the, was it 1080? No, it was the 9... Was Tony Hawk's thing? I want to say it was a 960. Yeah, I want to look this up. Tony Hawk ramp <laughs> spin. Anyway, Tony I'm, Hawk I'm, spin. Uh, this is the 900. It was the 900. Okay, it was the 900. 900 degree spin. It was um, it was at one of those X Games. And I was just watching because I always like skateboarding. I like watching it. And um, he got it, wrecked practicing for that too. Yeah, it was a, he practiced and practiced and practiced, and then the, during that. At the end of like whatever events they do, they have like a like a best trick competition, mm-hmm. which is like just everybody hanging out, like trying to like ache each other on to do the best trick. Uh-huh. And he just tried over and over and over again, and he finally landed it. And it was like, it was like he won the Super Bowl. It was His amazing. His body has to be wrecked right now. Yeah, he still he still skates. There's still like lots of videos of him doing it. But yeah, I, I don't know what he's up to. I mean, most of most of the tricks, if not all the tricks you see in these games, he invented. Really? Yeah. I knew he was like a pioneer in the in the in the act. Yeah, but. he was like one of the first to do any of this stuff. So like like the McTwist and like the the thing where they, the hand plant where they put the hand on, they stick their feet up in the air, all that stuff he did first. Huh? Yeah. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. And no one no one does it better. 
But nowadays, people just know him for his awesome video game soundtracks. Hey, is that a, is that a <laughs> bad legacy to leave behind? I mean, they have to then question, why are these games named after Tony Hawk? And then someone will go, well, sit down, <laughs> lad, and have a drink. I can't believe you never played 720. Never played 720. It's, it's, you should try it sometime. I, mean, I don't know. It was, like it, was a, it was a culture thing, really. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised I even played Skate or Die, really. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But it's, like, it's just was like, you know, skateboarding was definitely like a like a suburban white kid thing, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that game was it, it was very like dreamlike because the world was like just a giant colorful like neon green and pink skate park with like bees chasing after you <laughs> as they do in skate parks. Yeah, 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 and you know, yeah, and like just weird characters in it, and um, and you would end up in different parts of the skate park where if you earned enough money, you could like compete in different competitions like downhill competitions and stuff. Hmm. Maybe but, I can be something to try emulating someday. But the, um, like, if you fall off, like it was like everything was always like a bottomless pit, so it just felt very surreal. Also, the, not the arcade, like a- the arcade machine was cool of it too. It had an arcade kit. It's it's the it's, it's, a, it's a port of an arcade machine. Huh. So the arcade machine was in, this huge like cube top with like huge speakers on it, and the controller was it was a dial, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine the dial, but like on the side of the dial was a stick that pointed out um, at an angle. So when it's sort of like a compass. So it spun around it, like like a compass, yeah. So it felt it felt really weird spinning that thing around. But if you wanted to like jump into a trick, you could just hit it really hard and it would, it would spin around in the air. And then when you were done, you were left with a really nice picture. A really nice picture. Yeah, I'm so thinking about one of those old like spirograph compasses. Oh, a spirograph! I thought it was like a weird way you had to like take a picture, like a movie. <laughs> I'm doing the movie sign. Um, those old compasses in grade school had the, where you stuck the pencil on it, you could draw like. Kind of like engineering photos and such. I had to do that outside, actually. I have new um, 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 protractor. Protractor, yeah, yeah. Because I have uh, new garden beds that I, I put down in the middle, and then I took a, a stake in the middle, I took a string, and I drew around so I could get a perfect circle. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, there we go, engineering. This is, this is I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, what is... What's your, I talked enough about skateboarding. What's your first track? My next, my first track has literally nothing to do with skateboarding. And I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, well, that's the episode, folks. <laughs> um, this actually comes from the game Kogan Sort of Rewind. The track title is called um, Stage 2 Production Factory, and it is composed by Motui Sakuraba.
Welcome back. You're listening to The Production Factory, the Stage 2 theme from the game Kogan, sort of rewind, composed by Motui Sakuraba. So, yeah, this track... That's good. He's a. This is a gem of his. I, I, I love, love that that guitar solo section that comes in on the second second part of the song. That's really good. And I like that bit of like distortion that kind of plays in the background on the first part of the song. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like screechiness. Uh, this game is the first component, the first contender I wanted to bring into the episode regarding games that feel like work. I've played through the demo multiple times. And I've been waffling over buying the full game. And I'm still not sure if I want to do it. It's not because I dislike the demo. Quite the contrary. I think the demo is great. But uh, this game... So the premise is that... I'm not going to the story because it's weird. I don't even care. But your character carries a sword. And it kind of plays like a Mega Man X game where you're controlling Zero. Where you can dash, you can mm. double jump, and you can swing a sword. But you die in one hit. But the gimmick to the whole rewind is that you can rewind up to three seconds of time when you get hit to redo the thing that killed you. But the recharge for that three seconds comes back slowly. So you can't just like constantly spam the three seconds. Uh, You can only do the three seconds after you get hit? Pretty much, yeah. Like there's points where you can kind of trigger it in order to like rewind, like the activate time triggered platforms and stuff. But for the most part, it's your way of not dying when you take a bullet. So they use that as an opportunity to just inflate the challenge of the stages by hitting you with like some really cheap kills, oh, wow. like bullets that shoot out of the ground when you're jumping over pits, like some Kaizo Mario mess. It sounds like fun, man. It sounds like it looks like a lot. Of, it looks, I mean, this game looked really cool. I like the style of it too. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. But the work element comes in the form of like one of the first elements um, types of this kind of thing I find in video games, where it's like they expect you to learn borderline perfection, like by design of the game. You're meant to learn from your mistakes over and over and over and over again. And then when you beat the game, I read about this because I haven't haven't bought it yet. Um, When you beat the game, there's like a new game plus where they severely hamper that time mechanic. Oh, wow. So you're pretty much being asked at that point to do a perfect run. So it's no longer like you have like the rewind sword. You just have to. It's like sort of Betamax. Wow. Maybe you get like one rewind. (laughs) Pretty much just something along those lines. It's crazy. But it's. I think the game is fun, but. Even with jobs you like, whether you dislike the game or like the game or you dislike the job or like the job, and quite a few jobs require you to kind of beat your head into the wall on a task, <laughs> learning every intricate element that you're getting wrong so that you can do a quote-unquote perfect run and get the project done. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like this that does sound like something you'd have to do, right? Like, like you have to not just get good at it, but you just have to do it over and over and over again to the point where you're not even thinking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing. Like, it's probably a spoiler for what the end message for the episode is going to be, but it does make me wonder sometimes how many of these kinds of games with their, you know, their ability to teach you perseverance and, I don't know, optimization. Mm-hmm. Then how many of those things can practically transfer into a worker life to help you become a better employee and give you better earning power, things yeah. of that nature. I mean, it definitely has taught us how to sit still for a long period of time and use our fingers. And Cheetos! And eat horrible, wonderful food. Boiled <laughs> <laughs> health food. Delicious food. I want to uh, give a thanks to our sponsors, Cheetos. <laughs> Frito-Lay and hers <laughs> for your plus five fat grams. <laughs> Of stat boosting I was weight gonna, gain. I was gonna make some popcorn and bring it down here, but that would have been a little too crunchy on the microphone. But that's the one thing, man. 
I can always like have like a little like tea or water while we're doing the show, but I can never like eat like a whole meal while we're doing the show. <laughs> so like every time we come down here, you're scarfing your food down. Today it was two burritos. Two burritos. I look like one cut in half. Well, they were small. They were small. I actually had a burrito for breakfast too, but it was leftovers from yesterday. I had to have a chorizo burrito because the wise guy sent me a picture of himself yeah. eating a chorizo burrito. He got it at a really cool restaurant where he lives. I'm like, I want chorizo. So I went looking <laughs> for a chorizo vendor and I went to it and I had to put him to the test. But now I think I'm going to try to make that like a keep yourself busy task. I'm going to start scouting chorizo vendors in the area and see if I can find like find the best chorizo burrito. Oh, not a chorizo vendor, but like chorizo burrito verandas. Oh, if I can get chorizo <laughs> in general. Chorizo burrito verandas. <laughs> that, like that sounds like a cartoon right there. Yeah, it does, yeah. Chorizo burrito verandas. Def- Saving the day and yeah, yeah. filling your gut. Chorizo burrito defenders. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, all right, so let's get to my next song. Is we got some more. Um, we got some actually some, some other games to cover today. So um, my next one's going to be a little more obvious. We're talking about SimCity 3000. Not the two, but not three. Yeah, three. SimCity 3000 is, is, was like the first. We added plumbing. They added plumbing, and the game looked, well, it wasn't full 3D, but it looked more like fleshed out 3D. I, I was really impressed. It's actually still really impressive looking. Uh, the soundtrack's by Jerry Martin. It's for the PC. We're going to listen to the track Up Downtown.
That was Up Downtown from SimCity 3000, composed by Jerry Martin. I like that. The, and there was actually a bit of a laugh in there yeah. because it goes along with the earlier thought. Like, this is a perfect scat track. And this has that. And it was like, the guy, when he comes out, he's like, yeah, man. Like, he did that in there. It's got that, it, it gives it that kind of live recorded jazz vibe, which is really nice. It, um, I always like that when every time every once in a time someone's will get in a solo and you hear the background people go yeah yeah I, I was love I that. love that I love that stuff um, yeah some city is I mean that is the ultimate job game right like you are managing a city like you have to like you have to like take care of the plumbing the electrical like you're, you're managing where the the blocks of residential streets are I and kid you commercial not, streets that was actually what pulled me out like I I loved Sim City I had the original. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit of SimCity 2000, but I never owned it. I kind of played it when I could sneak it at school. Yeah, yeah. SimCity 3000, I purchased with my own money. Took it home, put it on my old ancient computer at the time. And something about having to manage the plumbing, in addition to the actual residences that would stay atop the plumbing. Yeah, it's. I just couldn't. I, I, like, I liked that. Like the the longer you kept your city going, like there was like further and further achievements. Like um, your city looked more and more futuristic, which I thought was really cool. See, I didn't get that far. Yeah. Now you think I should go back and boot my copy? It's up. me. I still like, have it. See some old. Yeah. If you, oh, that'd be awesome. Or you know, just see some old YouTube videos. But it's 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 really interesting. And I, lo- I love the soundtracks of these games. They're just so smooth. Just to listen to this, he was like, "Dab it, yeah." So good. Like the music is good. It's funny too because I'm thinking back. I have never listened to the PC. Why? Well, who am I could not have it? Because when I was playing it in school, I obviously didn't have the volume on. <laughs> but I've never listened to the soundtrack for the PC Sim City. I've only ever heard the Super Nintendo uh-huh. one, and I starting to have a wondering if they're very different OSTs. Um, uh, I mean, like uh, Soya Oka did the soundtrack to Sim City for the SNES. Mm-hmm. Who? I mean, she did the music to. Um, like uh, Pilot Wings mm-hmm. and Mario Kart, so it's already got like, kind of a jazzy kind of sound to it. So I think I think they'd be kind of similar. Yeah, I'm but if I remember up. the first Sim City, I don't think I don't think it had a soundtrack. If I did, it was like very like MIDI. Oh, the PC one, the very first PC one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a PC first. It was, yeah. it was. Sim City very SCS mouse, was very, mou- very mousy, mousy game. Because <laughs> it was a large thing, part of what made their the Nintendo one special. Cause they had a number of like Nintendo specific yeah. milestones you could get. And it was just more colorful. Yeah, being able to play some city on like a family TV is a cool thing. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, definitely a job. Definitely work. You're managing money. You're managing uh, budgets. Yes, you get. Yes, you get monthly reports. Yeah, monthly reports on like on on, on the sit on your population and, and the citizens are like, we got nowhere to work. It takes forever to get to work. Make a better highway. <laughs> like all right, and you you're got like, it. Oh god, jeez. I pl- I played a bunch of classic SimCity through um, the Internet Archive, pretty recently. Which is tough because it had that old copyright protection, uh-huh. where you had to like look in the book to figure out like what the name of the city and like the population of that city, and so I had to find. But you had to put those things in order for the game to boot up. Yeah, it would, the game would start, and then it'd be like, "Hey, we have a question for you," and then you'd, like look for the page with this symbol on it, and then tell us this number. And so I, I had to find a scan of the original manual. Oh wow! And so I had to save that to my work computer. So I was playing this at work. Anyway, um, that's how they get you. That's how they get me. That's how I actually, I think I told you about that in the past. Though. Like I said, one of my final projects in high school was based off of this game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They made us play SimCity for a period of years with the hope, with the intent being to knock out a number of milestones in the game. And then at the end, we had to report on if we accomplished it, the challenges we faced, 
how we could translate those to like what city planners actually do and environmental concerns that they produce when yeah. you have to go along with the goals the game wants you to fulfill. How did you feel the the, the, the assignment? Like you actually thinking about that? Oh, stuff? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If anything, it made even back then it made me think it'd be great if you could incorporate more video games into learning because mm-hmm. I came from a class that did not give two craps about learning. Like mm-hmm. a lot of kids in the class just kind of talked amongst themselves and kind of ignored, were kind of jerks to the teacher to be perfectly mm-hmm. blunt. So. When this became a thing, it was like, we're allowed to play video games in class. Like, a number of us actually were, like, really into it. Because now you are you feel like you're just goofing off. And you're trying to get a high score or whatever. And then you were asked to talk about your game. Like, it was, it was kismet. Yeah, it was, like, the perfect, like, blend. And it wasn't, like, a, I mean, I feel like SimCity has definitely got that educational bent to it. Wait a minute, we're learning! Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely more game-like. It's more of that simulation game-like. So so it's not like you're playing with one of those, like, lame, like, edutainment-like things where it's, like, really obvious you're memorizing, like, you know, the periodic table of elements to get little Sammy the... The, the Hagar to move from left to right. <laughs> well, I mean, you think, I mean, back then, you think, I, I stand by the belief that it's not too many that I remember at this point, but where where and whatever is Carmen San Diego. I said whatever because there's like a bunch of those games. There's a bunch of those, yeah. yeah. So that, number munchers and word munchers, more so number munchers. Number though, munchers rocks. That got a lot of people good at speed math. Yeah. And I feel like that should get revived I in love, a modern day. I, I love that game. It was really good. <laughs> it was great. I think we had that on the, on the Apple IIs. The Apple IIs had those, yeah. And then we had Odell Lake, which I feel like the modern equivalent might have been Tokyo Jungle. I don't know. Mm. But Odell Lake was... I don't know that one. Odell Lake was a game where you were in a lake and you played as a fish, like different types of like aquatic life. General, typically fish, when I remember. And you'd be swimming in the water and you'd come across different things in the water, like algae or other fish of various sizes or an otter. Never, never touched the otter. And when you came across these things, you had to make a decision whether you wanted to try to eat the thing, oh. you wanted to swim past the thing, try to avoid the thing by going like deeper underwater or a number of different choices you had and your goal was just to get bigger and not be killed by a predator <laughs> fish right or an otter because the otter ate everything right um but i remember loving that game oh, and I had, cool. I had a whole chart where i was like this hand this fish is allowed to eat these things but he can't eat these things and these things will directly try to eat him oh wow it was that's, uh, that's really like i that that's that's got like deeper like like gameplay going on to it too. Yeah. I'm remembering we used to play um, like a lemonade stand, and that was a big thing. Like you actually had to like run a business. Yeah, yeah. Like you had a, you had a budget, and you had to put money into either advertising and then into products, and then you watch the day go by and hope you sold enough and made enough money to go back into advertising and product. It was really interesting. See, developers, if you're listening, yeah, yeah. just make an RPG game where you're the shopkeeper, not <laughs> weapon shop Omase. Not talking about that. You're a businessman running a shop, and also I'm not talking about that freaking uh, dungeon game either. I can't remember the name of it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moonlighter. Moonlighter. Not that one. I'm talking about you're actually running a business. You have to manage the books of the business, <laughs> but you're selling magical trinkets and items. And yeah, you do stock it. Maybe you could do dungeon tracks if you want to add the extra gamey element. But at the end of the day, you are legitimately balancing the books. You determine sale items. You determine... The actual economic structure. Do you need to move to a new city because you're becoming too too much competition? It's getting too hot in your town. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, but work, like that's work. Fun. <laughs> work, fun work that's fun. Work that's fun. We have some more fun stuff right now. For now, Wizzle. We're doing this thing. We're going to do the board game beat. Yeah. 
All right, so this is our new segment, or, or not new, but this is a, a new segment current. of our show today. Board Game Beats, Pernell plays board games, tells you about them. Sometimes I played them too. <laughs> you need of, to play this one, though. This one looks cool. It's a big box. Why is the box so big, Pernell? And what's it called? Okay, so this game is called The Spill. It was provided by Smirk and Laughter Games. It was designed by Andy Kim and illustrations by Quan Shai Moriah. So the premise of this game is that you are working near an oil derrick in the midst of an oil spill. And you are playing as a number of different people that work within the, basically, the enviro industry. With the goal being to rescue as much wildlife as possible and push back the oil spill as you know, as best as you can. Oh. I say as best as you can because just like in a real, in events of a real life oil spill, you really kind of can't clean it up. It's just yeah. a monstrosity that just keeps giving awful things. Yeah. Uh, so, what ends up happening at the very beginning of the game, you choose between a number of different jobs, such as like a hazmat specialist, yeah. a sea captain, I'm an environmental a risk technician, environmental <laughs> technician, and they all come with different special abilities that will like, help you mitigate the issues. And the game setup is really cool because it's a giant rectangular board with a circle imprinted on it. And the circle has, let's say, four different layers going out. I think like rippled waves. Mm. And in the middle of the board is a a tall plastic oil derrick. And at the beginning of each round, you have to take a bunch of oil dice and dump them at the top of the derrick. And they splash out onto the board in different places with different numbers on the top. And that determines where the oil spilled out to. And then all those different places might have animals residing in those. Oh. So your goal is to take one of your four-player boards, your four-player boats, going around the board, trying to, quote-unquote, clean up the oil that is taken on the form of these dice yeah. and prevent it from reaching the animals. And if it does reach the animals, you have to clean them up using action points. The action points are what allows you to do any actions, really. Uh, surprisingly, it's a pretty simple and straightforward game, but... The first time we played it, we played it very incorrectly. I'm assuming this is easy. collaborative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. I couldn't imagine playing this game competitively. Like, <laughs> screw these dying animals. I want more points. Like, no, nah, this is all about, you know, just kind of working together as a team. I look at this as being like another take on games in a similar style as Pandem- Pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, where, like, Pandemic, you're trying to stop the onflow of an ongoing virus or a group of viruses, mm-hmm. viral strains, and mm-hmm. this, you're trying to stop an ongoing string of. Oil, which is, may as well be a virus, environmental disaster. And in some respects, I actually prefer this to the pandemic. Um, I like the idea, say, for example, like, I said, explain actually how the all the oil flows actually too, because how I mentioned earlier about how if the die comes down, say it's a. So like, I'm assuming it's like a, it's like a dice tower in the center where like the, you actually drop the dice into it and then it randomly spreads across the board. The latter, the dice tower is the oil derrick. You take them in the top, dump them in, they bounce around, they come out on different quadrants. So. There's four quadrants, and each quadrant has six lanes. Mm. And the number determines what lane it goes into. If you get another die that comes out in that quadrant with that number, it pushes the die further down the lane. Oh, I see. Eventually splashing onto animals. And if you don't rescue the animal within one turn, it goes to the sick bay. So you're rushing, you're racing against time to save the animals Mm. by using your action points wisely and your special abilities wisely. In order to make make the saves. Oh, wow. And the game is over if too many animals end up in the sick bay or if there's enough overspill. Being that if you fill an entire lane with dice and then more oil goes into the lane, it spills over into another one. Like a second oil spill. Oh, wow. Um, and it, it gets pretty stressful. It gets 
pretty stressful, but that is the nature of these kinds of games. And there's different, there's varying levels of difficulty too, because there's all score, not score, but like goal-based cards that determines your win condition for that particular game. Hmm. Because you can't really stop the oil spill. Like there's no way to win the game by stopping the spoil the spill. At best, you end up going through. There's like a series of like cards you can get. Or sorry, uh, the dice card. I tell you about you can't outlast the oil in a sense, but you don't clean it all up. When you run of oil dice, if you manage to outlast all the oil coming out of a bag because right. you pull the dice from a bag, you are able to consider that as a win. Also, I should mention, in addition to the normal oil dice, I wish there's like. I want to say it's like 60 or something. There's a large number of those 60, things. 60, 6-0. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> what? There's a lot of dice. So 60 oil. Oh, I was right. It's 60 oil dice. But there's also four weather dice okay. that get mixed in with that. And when the weather dice come up, they determine like a random feature, such as like whether it's conditioned that will make it harder for you to contain the oil mm. or if more oil will come out. Oh, or sometimes God. there's benefits, like you'll get an extra action point for that round or stuff like that. So... It's a pretty cool game. Like I, in many ways, I kind of feel like I prefer it. The pandemic. I would at love this point. to love to try that one. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. should. I think you'll like it. This is like I stand by the belief that no matter what games come in on the show or whatnot, I have no intention of wanting to talk about games that aren't fun. Yeah. Because there's enough of that on the internet. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll do like a side video later to talk about bad games too. But for the most part, as far as being on this podcast, it's got to be a game we actually liked. Yeah. And also, like, I feel like I'm kind of coming back around on collaborative games a little bit. I feel like since pandemic, like, there's been a lot more ideas mm-hmm. and a lot more game mechanics that have made them more interesting in different ways. So long as you don't have. What's the term I'm looking for? Because I'm already forgetting it. Um, but basically, the person that tries to run the table. Yeah. As long as you don't have that guy, um, they're the good. The boss. The boss. <laughs> Who's the boss at work? Yeah, you don't have a Tony Danza. <laughs> as long as you don't have a Tony Danza running the table. Then, hey, Andrew, like, yeah, you need yeah. to get over to late People six to save them titles. Truly playing collaboratively. It's, And I understand that can be rare sometimes so Like with with a game group. Everyone's like very competitive. And so everyone's constantly like kind of thinking really hard about what the next move is going to be so they might be thinking really hard about what your next move should be bonus game recommendation even though it's not the reviewed game spirit island covers the niche you're talking about right now because that game you're working together you're basically spirits on an island working together to basically kick or kill colonialists from (laughs) off your island oh yeah i think i heard of this one yeah yeah it's fantastic and the best part your decisions are so complicated and intricate that you don't have the brain power to understand what someone else can do and tell them what to do. You got to worry about your own mess. That's best you're like, much, I need yeah. some help. I need some help. Like, I think I have what can, I think I have what it takes to Spirit support Spirit Island? Spirit Island. All right. Well, Don't buy it. Oh, no, 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 no. But I, but I mean, like, we'll have to play it. I mean, we'll have to play yours. Yes. Yeah. Everyone else is listening. Yeah, by all means, buy it. But Rob can't <laughs> buy it because I own it. Um, Rob, don't buy it. I already <laughs> had it. Please don't buy it. Okay, um, we're on to your next uh, music pick then. Okay, I can't do an episode on games that feel like work without mentioning this franchise, so I'm doing it with a track that I'm amazed I never played on the show. Oh. Um, This comes from the game Pokemon Sword and Shield, and the track title is called Storming Rose Tower, composed by Minako Adachi and Go Ichinose.
Welcome back. You're listening to Storming Rose Tower from the game Pokemon Sword and Shield on the Nintendo Switch, posed by Minako Adachi and Go Ichinose. Mm. So, I know a lot of people talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield, and when they talk about the music from the game, they love to reference the gym battle theme with its changing you know, crowd integration as their favorite track in the game. I'm sorry. I'm the minority here. I'm also black. But it, I feel that this is my all-time favorite track in the game. So much so that on our patch for the game, they eventually allowed you to use this track in versus mode hmm. battles, which while I was doing MAGFest Pokemon League gym battles as the steel gym leader, this was the only track that played at my gym. Like, nothing else. I didn't care about the other track. This was the only one. Funny thing, at MAGFest, you can't hear anything else because it's so loud. Oh, I let you know. This is the track that's playing. <laughs> it's the only one. Uh, uh, um, uh, if you're going to play against the Steel Gym, you need to wear headphones. <laughs> that's right. <'cause> we're, <laughs> we're storming Rose Tower. That's right. And when I win, it won't be pretty. So people might be listening to this and hearing this choice and going, but Pernell, it's Pokemon. Why does that, like, work? And I totally understand your feelings on that concept if you're just playing through the main game. In some respects, even if you are playing the main game, oh, I see if you're what, trying I to fill that Pokedex. I see where you're going with this. Because if you're really, like, trying to play competitively, maybe, yeah, you got to put in work. Yes. And a lot of work. Yes. And I'll admit, they have made it much, much easier over the gyms. Probably the easiest it's ever been in Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. Still work. Still a it's lot. still crossbreeding Pokemon, getting the right natures, whether it's by breeding their natures on or getting them mints. Keeping like lists and spreadsheets of where's everyone at. Move trees. Like I have a list at home of a barrel thorn I still want to make that has acid spray on it. I was like, okay, I got to look at the genealogy tree and determine what Pokemon in the family line and sorry, <laughs> the egg group can learn acid spray right, that so can be bred onto freaking feral seed. This is, this is, I don't know which version this was. This was a long time ago, but my nephews, he's 27 now, but when he was younger, he was doing something with the Pokemon where he had to like make them walk around in circles in order to get certain... Yeah, so that's, that's part of the number. work. So what he did was he paid his younger brother to just sit around and do it all day long while he went wow. and did something else and came back home and... And then, yeah, his younger brother had it ready for him. Now, that's slick. That was work. I mean, that, he definitely um, offshored that. <laughs> and people have done weird things. Yeah. There's a guy who had built, like, a Lego, like, a Lego mechanical, like, a mechanical Lego device that would just kind of run the circle oh, for him to hatch shiny eggs. Yeah. And by the way, if you're trying to get shinies, that's a whole nother can of crapulent worms for work. I'll never dive into. If I ever got a shiny, it was by luck. I never tried to get them, because that's not my cup of tea. Uh, but... It's astounding. Just, I mean, I've put hundreds of hours into Pokemon over the years on individual games, even, not even the whole series. The series I'm breaking into thousands, mm-hmm. not even doubting that. I, one of my games, I max out the clock, uh, but just walking in circles, hatching egg after <laughs> egg after egg, being upset about one stupid number and throwing them away. And yeah. I had a hacked ditto. If you didn't have a hack ditto, you know how you had to do perfect IVs before they came up with freaking bottle caps? You had to actually have, like, specific Pokemon that crossed the, the most egg groups that had the stats you needed. Not all of them, because getting a perfect Pokemon without that hack ditto was dang near impossible. But getting, like, one Pokemon has these stats, another Pokemon has these stats, knowing that this Pokemon can be crossbred about across the majority of egg groups you work under right? and hope for the best over 
over, over again. Can, it can was like, maddening. So you can save though and try it, and then like, then like, then close your game and save it and try it again. Well, that's for, well. The thing is, you don't have to like. You can't lose the Pokemon per se. Like they don't go away. Mm. It's just the repetition, like going through tons of eggs until you get one that's just right. And before the newer games, you had to go to the internet. Because they had this cryptic way of determining what IVs you had. You had to go to a guy at a specific town to talk to him, and he would say some line. And there was a list of six things he could say. And depending on the six things he said, that determined how many IVs you had. Not which ones, just how many you had. So you had to go to another chart on the internet to look up the chart to see which ones you had. <laughs> on the internet. On the internet. In 2004. It drove me crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember going to Cerebi constantly hearing the guy on the game go you have an excellent pokemon you almost can't do any better and then okay that means at least a number of my stats are perfect then going to Cerebi and going okay at level 40 which by the way you'd have 40 rare candies on hand just to feed the pokemon oh so then gosh. we got to level 40 you can go to the chart and go okay his special attack is 251 okay that's one of his perfect ones i better put a circle on that and you're oh gone it was freaking awful i hated it but if you wanted to play competitively, which I had to because I was on the East Coast Pokemon League, and also I played with friends who did the same thing, right. you I to had to up. compete. I had to keep up with them. So I had to go through the motions because if I stopped doing that, I couldn't have fun battling Pokemon anymore because once you hit a certain plateau, you can't go back to casual town. And it was unfortunate because, I mean, you ever battle for one speed point was all it took to outspeed a guy and just, like, wreck him. Oh, my God. It was because yeah, then you can get like initial attacks and then do it again and again and again. Yes, that's like, oh man, that's just I don't know. That, to me, that doesn't sound as much fun because it wasn't. Yeah, like but, my I had friends, have friends, who no, would lost, tell me lost, oh, I lost the ball. <laughs> like who would tell me on a regular basis that I'm over exaggerating. And again, in the current gen, maybe not so much because they did make it light years easier. Still work, but not like the old days. But the old days for sure. I was like, I was, I was the guy in the first like, hey guys, can we just stop Ivy and EV breeding and training? Because I would have so much more fun with this game if we just stopped doing that. But no one wanted to. And it wasn't until X and Y that I was able to find myself enjoying that to an extent, quotes, because it was still work, but it was less frustrating work. Right, it was less cryptic. Exactly, less right. cryptic. And there were easier ways to get experience and get the stats that you wanted. Wow. And oh. of course, hacked dittos. Whoever came up with the hacked ditto on the internet, thank you so much. Nintendo's tried to squash you. Let them try. <laughs> Keep doing it. Keep hacking dittos because it makes it tolerable. Oh. Uh, all right, well, all right. So this next game is all about, my next game is all about fun. So maybe, <laughs> maybe this is a- Kids like Pokemon. It's, it, but it mimics, it mimics a job. And it's kind of why I liked playing this character in this game. So we're going to talk about Team Fortress 2. Ooh. Team Fortress 2 is fun. It's a fun job. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Upgrade Station, composed by Mike Moraski.
Oh, this is the Upgrade Station theme from Team Fortress 2, composed by Mike Moraski. And this is a, I, I love this track. It's supposed to sound like a little like office kind of like elevator type tune because like you're, I think this is the one you're in your, um, you're in your like uh, um, locker room. Oh, from panel, you choosing yeah, your character? Yeah, choosing your character and choosing like your starting loadout or whatever to go out to play. I missed playing this game. It's been a really long time. I know. I, I really think about it sometimes because I, I see like these big arena style first person shooters that have all these different like role based combat stuff and Team Fortress 2 really distilled it down to like you're the tank, you're the fast guy, you're the healer, you know, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but the one that did the most work in this game that was just a job was the engineer. Because he was just trying to keep things working. Around <laughs> turrets and repair them. Yeah, like it, I, I was trying to think like, man, I, I remember playing a game that made me really feel like my job right now where I'm just like running from desk to desk just trying to keep things running sometimes. Just, just, just fixing this thing. They have to fix that thing. And now oh, they broke this again. Now oh, their outlook is broken. Now oh, their computer's busted. They're going back and forth. And it's Team Fortress because you go and you set up a turret. You set up another turret. And someone blew up your turret and you got to go and fix that thing. <laughs> and someone blew up your other turret and you got to go back and fix that. And so, like, you don't see a whole lot of combat. You're just, you're, all your turrets do the work for you, you, but see, you're doing all the work of maintaining the turret. Yeah, yeah, you see some combat, you're probably going to get killed, but you're just trying to keep all of these, like, defensive, like, mechanisms going. And you can upgrade them, too, which I always thought was really fun. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was, I thought was always really funny. I've always enjoyed yeah. being the, uh, the turret guy. Yeah. I like being the turret guy. I like being the healing guy. And I think once the blue and I would be the scout, because I like just avoiding all the combat and just trying to run past guys to get to the briefcase. That's another thing, too, like... Like, I was never good at shooting. And there were characters that were all about just shooting, right? Mm -hmm. But there weren't many of them. So it wasn't like people who could headshot and, like, you know, do real big and aim really quickly. Like, they were always going to win. Like, a good team consisted of, like, a lot of these different types of people. And if you weren't good at that, you could play a support class and still have a whole lot of fun doing it. Like, like a spy. Yeah, the spy was really interesting. You had to pretty much... It sounds corny to say this, but I feel like in the case of this game, it's accurate in that... You had to kind of get a proper vibe of how to blend in. Mm -hmm. You're walking around the spot because you're pretty much you look like you can look like a character on their team. I think there's like maybe one subtle difference, but it's hard to spot unless you're like standing still. The only person that could like really find you out is the pyro because he set, set you on fire. He sets he set, because he can't set his teammates on fire, but he could set you on fire. Mm -hmm. So he's constantly going around his teammates, hitting them with a torch. And I want to also say like something. I mean, I might be wrong about this because it's been a while, but I want to say. Um, if you try to talk to them in like a team chat, yeah, they can't. You can't hear the team chat. Yeah, if yeah. You're so on the other team. If so if you have voice chat on, like everyone's talking and you're like trying to like sneak past them, like you don't know if they're talking about you and they're like, trying like, hey, hey, are you there? Are you there? And he's like, not responding. He's a spy. Get him! <laughs> but like that, it just there were a lot of cool elements to that game and the fact that even now with like Overwatch and all that stuff yeah. being prevalent. None of them have captured that for me, like that style of like like, it's, game, like diverse yeah. role playing gameplay. They're still role based. They're still like support character classes and like tank classes and that kind of stuff. But it doesn't feel the same because in those games you're still like you're encouraged to be like an esports like you know aggressive aggressive like you know aiming really good type player. Where I felt like you had a lot more um, freedom in this game, or maybe it was just the people we played with. But it just I felt like it was competitive but like a fun competition like a pickup pickup game of of uh soccer 
Oh, I mean, yeah. and I would say, like, I mean, folk, I'm sure someone could be listening to this and go, but guys, come on, of course this game has a higher tier. And you're right, it does. I mean, oh, I'm no, pros yeah. can definitely have, like, everything has to be pinpoint perfect. But even still, you can have a group of people where it's like, okay, we know you suck at shooting, but you're really good at evasion. So your sole role on our team is to be the scout. You have to be anything else. <laughs> Dash, jump, leap, collect, and move. You know, you know what? I, now that I'm thinking about it, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, I'm going on. I'm going on a, like a bit of a thread, a little bit of a tangent, and I think it's just because this was kind of before, maybe kind of before free-to-play games. So there, there was no ranking system in Team Fortress Two, right? It was just you just go online and get, get set up with a random team. I'm or not going to lie to you, I don't recall friends. a ranking mode. I don't in this think game. there was. So like there was no encouraging you to like get good or to level up and get with better players it was just having fun there um, might have been a win record for individual and, players and you spent money yeah i think there was but like it wasn't like you're now ace rank you're now gold rank it and, was and for the record for yeah. those who are listening in case there's disparities we're even though i owned it for the pc we're specifically referring to the orange box version yeah yeah i played on the xbox mostly at all but uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, and so and then you paid money for the game. It wasn't free to play, so like it, there was no, there weren't those mechanics trying to earn money through the gameplay. Oh, cause they, they trust me. Team Fortress did incorporate that later. In fact, they were one of the pioneers of it. Oh, they had like the hats and stuff. They like had the that. hats, yeah, the loot yeah. boxes, but you only got hats. But people were still selling the hats. Yeah. And going for the, uh, it was like it was bizarre. Yeah, to but me. as far as I know, they still didn't do like that ranking system, which encouraged people to. You know, do better and, and try to improve their game, and, and again, it was all like an esports type, just their fashion. Thing. Yeah, which to me, why I almost played Street Fighter on this episode because it, Street Fighter Four for me turned into work because I was there like memorizing like frame data and all that stuff, just trying to get better at that game. Oh, I, that game had a straight ranking system in the sense. Oh, where they like all if do. you lost, you got punished. Oh, you hard. get punished hard for that stuff. So and it's, the, if I'm not correct, the better you, the higher your rank, the more they punish you for a loss. Yes. And yeah, I mean, like, so the people at the highest ranks, like, you know, they're good because mm-hmm. like, they don't, they can't lose a match. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And the people at the highest ranks, you, you, they would usually be at big tournaments, and the ones that aren't are just like, yeah, they're the online warriors. Like, they're out there dealing with lag. I correctly, also, you yeah. couldn't also like say get to like triple diamond and quit because if you don't play matches, they'll also still downgrade you. Won't no, they? No, it doesn't do that because I remember like I, I put it down for a long time, and then I picked it back up again, and I was like, I was like in like ultra silver, like I was just below gold. And but because I hadn't played in like two years, like I just I couldn't get set up with matches on my current level. Like I was probably like starting over again. I feel like that's where but I'm at. Because where I'm I, like, because I, my character was so high, I was getting paired up with all these hard people, and I was just like getting knocked back, knocked back, <laughs> uh, knocked back. And it's just so demoralizing seeing my character go all the way back to like bronze or like rookie. And I'm like, this is awful. Used to be a contender. Nichols. I know this is no good. But yeah, I almost played that. So um, we're on to your uh, last track. Okay. So this track is another form of game that feels like work. I feel like I've hit three different types, which was my, kind of my goal. Um, this comes from the game Factorio, and the track title is called Are We Alone, composed by Daniel James Taylor.
Welcome back. You're listening to Are We Alone from the game Factorio, composed by David James Taylor. Um, James Taylor? No, not that guy. <laughs> not that guy. The Daniel James Taylor. Uh, full disclosure, this is a game that I have. I've tried to start playing, and on multiple cases, I'm like, this is too daunting for me, and I put it back down, um, both because of the scope of the game and also just time constraints. But... The I know enough about it, and I know why it's daunting to me, and those are all things that make this fall under the does-it-feel-like-work game, mm. and that the idea behind this is that you crashed on a mysterious alien planet, and you have to thrive there despite your difficulties, so you are tasked with collecting resources and producing things, which you can then use to survive, but also produce more things and collect more things to produce more things to also defend yourself against oncoming invaders and then collect resources to produce more things to create more things to survive and expand out. So you guessed it, create and produce more things. But the biggest element to this game that makes it feel like work and the why I want to include in the episode is like the element of optimization. Because the overall goal of Factorio is in the title, Factory. You want your product, your facility to become self-sustaining. You want this thing to work in a way where you have a freaking Rube Goldberg machine of resources <laughs> just pumping from one end of your factory to the other, producing things that you can use without putting in any actual effort to do it. Hmm. It's just the effort to build the structure itself to become self-sufficient. And that is a lot. A whole freaking lot. And you go on the internet, if you don't believe me, look up some videos of like people's factorio creations. So people this is like, is like a super deep like style. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Now, you're interested in this, though. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Is, that, fact, is it because it, of the deep gameplay like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Actually, it's coming to Switch pretty soon, but now, I, 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 for better or worse, I got my email for the Steam Deck, so I won't need the Steam version anymore. Thanks. But it might be my excuse to finally start playing, and now I can play it on the go, or I will be able to play it on the go fairly soon. Uh because I like the idea behind this. I like the concept. I mean, there was another game I liked called Forger a little ways back. Mm, back I remember that one, yeah. It was a lighter take on a similar concept of like self-sufficiency mm. and your creations. Uh, I would absolutely like this. And the music is haunting. I guess it's primarily because you're on an alien world. This yeah. is the happy-go-lucky quest. Yeah, and you need like these, these, these kind of like longer kind of atmospheric sounding songs for like, I guess, when you're just going through menus and trying to create specific like parts of your it looks like enormous cities that you're eventually building but are just factories just constantly turning out things right yeah, it is yeah. Kind of, there's a sad bit to that too when you think about mm-hmm. it because you are at your core at the core taking all the natural resources from this planet right and then just producing smog and oh. pollution to produce and produce and produce and produce. Now, are you? Uh, you said you're you're fending off invaders. Are you fending off like the the, the, the native species of the planet? Yeah, like bugs and mess. That's sad. That's really yeah right. That is. I mean, you're you're trying to survive, but you know you weren't meant to be there in the first place. And you are trashing this planet. Yeah. Wow. But I will say, un- despite all of that. If you can sit down and do it, and I, mm. I'm saying this from experience of other games of this ilk, there's something extremely satisfying <laughs> about getting that engine going and going, yeah, yeah, I built that. There's some board games that we play that feel like that. There's engine building, like you're like you got these resources that make this resource that make this resource that get you to the end to win the game. Yes, um, that it's very satisfying to get that kind of thing done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is especially 
the sort of thing where I feel like if you can master stuff like that, that's a skill. Yeah. That is a major skill. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of math and engineering. I feel like it goes into the, the kind of thinking. Right. You, you know. produce this, which then turns we combine into making this, mm. which then can be distilled into making yeah. this. You know, it's there's a lot there. Now there's a lot of planning that goes into this show for now, and into the scheduling of things. Is there? Yeah, and and real, and actually at this part of the show, we kind of stop the music. We do. And we what happened? To start more music. Oh, I see. Additional tune called the bonus round. Oh, b- b- bonus round. B- 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 and the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. Thanks for uh, for singing that while I was trying to shut the music off. <laughs> Had to keep it going. The party's live. Um, yeah, so um, another great pastime of a job is cleaning your house. <laughs> I thought you say the break. And what's the most fun way to clean your house? By rolling your katamari. Oh cripes. <laughs> that's what that's how that gets done. Um so yeah, we're gonna listen to some music from uh Katamari Damashi. This is from the uh the, the arranged album called Katamari Damashi Tribute, Katamari Takeshi. We're gonna listen to Lonely Rolling No More. Um this is composed by Yoshito Yano and arranged by Yu Miyaki. I think it's I think the lyrics I think the vocals are by the same um singer. So but it's a meant, completely different vibe. So is it meant to imply lonely rolling with a friend? Yeah, like no more. Like the roll like uh uh yeah, finally finally together, I guess maybe with his dad. Oh. <laughs> so this is and his uh, dad is not insulting him anymore. Yeah, or he's just not listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh lonely rolling no more from uh, Kadamari Takeshi.
That was Lonely Rolling No More from the Katamari Damashi tribute, Katamari Takeshi, composed by Yoshihito Yano, and this was arranged by Yu Miyake. That was good. Yeah, it was fun. It's just like, it was so chill, and I love I love the whole vibe of that song. The song's kind of high energy. It's kind of sad high energy in the in the original game, and so to sort of take that and kind of strip it back a little bit and kind of change the key, it felt really good. I think one thing I kind of come to like or appreciate is the fact that Despite the fact that Katamari Damacy has a stellar OST across the board, mm. I feel like over the years and hearing of covers and people talking about the OST, I want to say Lonely Rolling Star is the overall favorite of the game, which yeah. makes me happy because that was definitely my favorite <laughs> track of the game. Yeah, there's um like there's the theme song, which was really, really catchy, but I feel like it's Lonely Rolling Star is the one that everyone really like remembers. Yes. Because it really catches on and you're like, wait a minute, there's something else happening here. Like the they really took a chance producing this game because it was so different. But I think part of its success, or a lot of its success, has to do with its soundtrack. People yes. really connecting with the music. Mm-hmm. Um and then every subsequent game after that having really interesting soundtracks and remixes of the of the original music, just being really playful with it, I think. And it's me wanting to say, but they never touched the original. But deep down, I I am okay with admitting that I think that's pure nostalgia. And also the fact that at the time, Katamari Damacy was just completely new. Conceptually, yes. it was new, undone. Yeah, And then all I, the sequels were just more of the same. I remember buying it being like, well, first of all, it came out with a low price point, mm-hmm. which was unusual at the time for the PS2. It, was, it dropped for 30 I think. Yeah, it was like 30 yeah. And also like seeing like such an interesting very unique game with a very Japanese title. Like, you're never going to see that again. I'm like, I better buy it now. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, it just came out at the right time. At the right and, time. And it exploded. Um, yeah. So um, what do you have? All right. So this is one that I stumbled across. I really loved it. But I had to come up with a track from this game because it's in modern, across the game and then you had to find the arrangement. Uh, some kind of arrangement or cover. And yeah. this was perfect. But to me, Animal Crossing is the epitome of modern day oh, yeah. accepted yeah. work games that feel like work. And yet I come back every time, get to the hamster wheel for a couple of months and then put, not even keep it. I sell every copy of Animal Crossing. I've never kept an Animal Crossing. Oh, wow. Which is rare for me. I yeah, usually like, keep yeah, like, games. Like zero nostalgia. Like you pick it up, you play it, and you're like, Done. Get out of my house. <laughs> get out of my house. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but this, this is a masterpiece. This is a cover from the game called Nook, Line, and Sinker. And this is done, composed, and sung by the Stupendium. (coughs) Sorry. Where was I? Oh, yes. They say of the fable that businessman croon that dog dog but he pays the raccoon filling up the coffers billing up the otters watching them squirm yes lions and tigers and bears oh my firm i've made mountains from founding these half-finished villages run down little towns that i fill up with idiots declare one the mayor flare their ego a little bit 
charge them with fixing it then charge for the privilege you buy land at a high deposit when I drop profitable hovels on it each island is like a wallet cause I got the whole place in my pocket you crank the land value with every little bit of spit and polish if I get a better tenant than you well thank you everything's demolished it's about time I took some more payments from your good selves I'm just balancing the books but I'm still waiting on the bookshelves you promised you'd build me once you patch the fence don't like it then build me I'll just add it to the rent never seen a game so twee but there's administration fees for this little haven we chisel from complacency and we pay gratefully slaving every day for the price tag attached to the back of our new horizon a tie that racked up a tycoon can't handle my mess you'd best stick with splatoon you'll be Deep in seashells before we hit noon And that's hardly a dent in the debt you've accrued You may wonder why we keep moving around The houses you buy aren't that structurally sound A few years will lapse, they collapse to the ground And these suckers cough off for another new town You call me amoral is that what you think? Well, at least I've not driven my assistant to drink. Oh, dear little Isabel is caught in a living hell. It's fishing in yard work, not building a citadel. Overworked, underpaid, that poor little shit zoo Managing a bunch of animals, I guess it really is I guess you see the pun there Somewhere you turned out to be If I do say so How fitting in a town full of critters That the only human is the scapegoat Never seen a game so twee But there's administration fees For this little haven we Chisel from complacency And we pay gratefully Slaving every day for the price tag Attached to the back of our new Extortion has seldom been so inoffensive No matter the tax and whatever the rent is They flock and they herd just to pay their expenses With no picket line except a few garden fences Read between the lines and you might find the margin So eat up the jargon, don't argue the bargains Or I'll add a no pets clause, it wouldn't be hard And I'll have every resident live in the garden Never seen a game so twee But there's administration fees For this little heaven we Chittle from complacency And you pay it gratefully Slaving every day for the price tag Attached to the back of your new horizon <laughs> Right, rent's due I think you owe me some nuts Or fruit or fish or something Welcome back. You just listened to Nook, Line, and Sinker by the Stupendium. A fantastic come track composed based on the game Animal Crossing New Horizons, and it has made me a fan of the Stupendium. Wow, that was right like, then and there. Yeah, that was super impressive. Yes, it was. Yeah. And really good, good rhymes, too. Good structure. And it truly does cover my entire feeling about the game, which is also largely in part why... It kind of explains my entire loop with the game whenever I buy it. It's all, well, I've owned three different Animal Crossing games, and they've always been brought on by other people who love them, talking about how they're going to buy it and then get into it. And I just buy it because I want to partake in the conversation that everyone else is having about this game. So then I buy the game, I get my, just like you described, every game Tom Nook welcomes you to wherever town you're in, 
And then he says, hey, you want a house here? It's going to cost you. And then you got to pay the mortgage on the house. You're also tending all the yards. You got to clean up the town because if you don't clean up the town, people will hate how dirty it is. Uh, you're constantly looking for things to pay your mortgage with by shaking trees and selling fruit and selling timber or selling furniture you construct. There's a lot of work that goes into this game. And all the citizens do is say hi to you. They don't help you. The newest game, they claim to try to help you, but they ain't doing much. They walk around and once in a while just drop something. And also they have daily events that are timed at specific times of the day where if you have a 9-to-5 job and you want to do a morning activity, mm-hmm. well, now you're trying to fit that into your actual life schedule, which I had to do. Drove me freaking crazy. A lot of people did. I mean, oh, yeah. I, 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 it came out like during the beginning of the pandemic too, right? So that was like a big, yeah, the everyone newest, played it together, right? Yeah. And that's kind of why I bought the last one because I was done with Animal Crossing. I was like, I'm no more buying it. There's no uh, point in me buying it. But then sucked. COVID kicked in. You are like community. I wanted that community. Yeah. So I dove in once more. And then the thing that's interesting, that was interesting to me about the Animal Crossing games right. and what kind of sits on me and also maybe a large part of what I get out of them overall before I finally break down and quit is it's like, I hate saying this because it's kind of a used term. It's like a power fantasy in a sense. Mm-hmm. Because in Animal Crossing, you get a house. You don't have to qualify for it. The, guy, the raccoon just says, here, I have a house. In the newest game, he makes like the song says he makes you the mayor mm-hmm. and then gives you a house and still makes you pay for it despite <laughs> being the town mayor. as supposed to be a part of what makes you the mayor. Like They right. just give you the house to so live the, in. The power fantasy of you know um, qualifying for the, for the mortgage. But not just that. Yeah. There's also the stock market, the stock market, which is a stock market, quote unquote, that is played with turnips. Oh, you got really into that, right? Every time. Yeah. Because you can game it. Mm. You can game the stock market and you can make money. You can actually make reasonable investments. And though it still requires you to invest a good chunk of your time, it's not actual Mm. stock market levels of time investment required. And then you get the money from selling the terms (laughs) at a profit. And then you, I don't know. Pay off your house. That feels good. It always feels good. But then here's the sticky part. Once you've paid off the house, mm-hmm. there's nothing left. Like, if you like, collect furniture or seashells or clothing, then I guess that's one thing. But then the problem there is you can only, one wear, you can only wear one outfit at a time. How much clothes do you need? Can you build multiple houses? Um, only through like making multiple towns on different saves or oh, something. But okay, for the most part, yeah. you only have one house in your town. Uh, so you can have multiple rooms, but nonetheless, there's way more furniture than rooms in your house. And you can't, you can't do much with them because Nintendo never got it through their heads that says, you know, a good thing to have in this game would be to not only be able to invite people to your town, which you can do, but give you actual activities that you can engage in in your houses. Like, I don't know how they've gotten this far in the franchise and not thought, let's give these people something to do when they go to visit right. other people's towns. There could be more than just saying hi and goodbye. Hi, yeah. you want to sell my fruit for me? Bye. It's, I don't know. But So so you discovered then that the, the, the market game is much more of an interesting game. Yes, I, always, I would get every game. Yeah. Start out fresh, like getting, like doing this, get a, a furniture room, feeling good about that, and then I'd eventually to always devolve down to start playing the stock market. All right, let's make a max profit. Oh, <laughs> man, I paid off my house. That's what they call me. Done. 
Max Profit. Max Profit. <laughs> but you mustn't touch. Uh, but yeah, that was the game for me every mm. single time. And I've had people tell me, well, that's the problem, Bernie. You're missing the point of the game. You're you're invested in the money. You're not focusing on the, the day-to-day. I'm like, I don't want to invest in the day-to-day. I don't want to sell fruit every day. <laughs> like That's not the fantasy. The fantasy is getting rich. Getting rich and paying <laughs> off my mortgage. The actual suffering is working the minimum wage I, job I that it. is selling fruit. Both of those things, honestly, are the reasons why I haven't really played any Animal Crossing. Never games. start. And um, I mean, also, I'm not owning a Nintendo system, but like I, I played the, the the iPhone one, which was kind of lame. It was I, if it's anywhere near what Animal Crossing is, and it doesn't make any sense. Oh, that me. one I will say at least they're different. This is because Animal Crossing Mobile, from what I've been told, is heavy gotcha. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, what do I get today? Oh, you get a table. Oh, there's another character. Do you get the character? Nope. Nope, not, not unless I'll, you have enough tickets. Guess I'll play it tomorrow, maybe. If you got the <laughs> tickets. If I have the tickets for it. Anyway, for more information on our bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com. We have links to the artists that we showcase here, uh, links to their SoundClouds and Bandcamps, and everywhere you can go get the music downloaded and, and buy the music and support these artists. All right, thanks for joining us on episode 34-4. Did I get that right? We'll Heck find yeah, out I later. did. <laughs> of uh, Rhythm and Pixels, thanks for joining us. Um, games that feel like jobs, and there's a number of them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I got to tell you, the listeners, and you, Purnell, maybe okay. Purnell, uh, if your game feels like work, you should play a different game. The time, yes, that's going to be the ender episode. Episode ender. Time. If, it's, if it's starting to feel, you should take a break. You should absolutely take a break. If you're if a it's, break, yes, yeah, yeah, maybe but, not, not stop playing all the guy, but take a break and remember why you enjoyed it in the first place. Mm-hmm. But therein lies, and yeah, we're just going to slap into the actual thing here because this is dialogue now. See, to me, work means different things, like or even a job, like um. Some people conflate job with career. Sometimes they flip them back and forth. Mm. But a job, even if it feels like work, isn't always unpleasant. Like to give you an example, I was at work today. I stayed late at work today, but I chose to because I wanted to solve a particular problem yeah. that I was having to for one of my deliverables. Now, was it work? Absolutely. Did it eat into my free time? Absolutely. Did I get paid for it? Well, of course. Um, but. I wanted to do it, and it was fun when I solved the actual problem. Right. Like, it was definitely a job, <laughs> but I I liked doing the job. Some games can feel like work, and they are definitely work. A lot of achievement hunters come to mind with that. Complete the entire Star Ocean, you know, Star Ocean 4 item construction compendium. That's a freaking job. A horrible job, and I don't know who in their right mind wants to do it beyond getting a trophy or achievement, because there's no reason to. <laughs> but that's why you—that's why people do it. It makes no sense. But that to me is the kind of work where it's like, screw this, I got better things to do. Versus, I don't know, playing like Factorio or Wild True Learn, mm. which is a job. It, it feels like work because you have to solve a problem, complete a task, go through the minutia of learning a routine in order to get it right. But there's something about it sometimes you're like, I'm engaged. This time I'm going to, crap, I died again. This time, no. 
However, yeah, and then eventually, like, I finally beat that stupid boss, or I finally got the perfect factory, or whatever. I guess it's how you're defining the word work. Yeah, but that's what yeah. I mean. Like, it takes work to get it done, too. Yeah, like, it, it, yeah it takes persistence. Persistence. Yeah, maybe not work. It takes uh, uh, persistence. It takes patience. Hard work. To do it. Fun, to, hard work. To do it right. Fun, hard work. Fun, hard work. Fun, hard work. I'm calling out tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Uh, you can uh, you can send me my check in the mail. <laughs> um, anyway, if if you like the show, if you like video game music, um, and you want to let us know if you have a track suggestion, the microphone just keeps hitting me in my, my face. I'm sorry. If you have a track suggestion or a topic suggestion, if you just want to say hi, you can send us an email, rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. Um, and for more information about this show, and if you want a full track listing of this episode and of all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes, go to the website, www.rhythmandpixels. Dot com. Dot com. Um, we have a YouTube uh, uh, channel. It's at youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels there. Um, all of our episodes are uploaded there as well. We also had a radio station that will be back online in a couple months. Um, so look out for that. Rhythm and Pixels Radio. You can just type in BGM Radio in YouTube and it would usually just come right up. Usually it would. I'm Shake this as Square Enix. Square Enix shaking us down again. Um, so yeah, so check that out there. Um, and we have a Discord server. The link to Discord is at the top of the webpage, rhythmandpixels.com. Uh, and the Discord's cool. We just got a bunch of chill channels, a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of listeners, a bunch of other podcasters also hang out in there as well too. Um, so if you're interested in some more uh, video game and video game music chat, you can check that out. And if you'd like to support the show, the best thing you can do for us is just to tell people about it. And, you know, share it on your facebook or twitter or, or you know tell your family and tell your friends um you can make like a little sign that says rhythm and pixels and attach it to your dog and then when you walk your dog he's like a little billboard for us also let people know if you didn't clean up after your dog yeah and they'll find you and they'll find you and if you need someone to walk your dog let us know send us an email all right <laughs> always looking to make an extra buck you can also uh support us in other ways you can support us by going to patreon at patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels um, as a member of our Patreon, you get access to a monthly live-streamed episode where we record the show live uh, once a month. You get also some cool stuff like, uh, like behind-the-scenes kind of uh, prequel episodes. You get access to some of the live shows that didn't make the main feed. Um, and there's also some cool like, goodies. You get uh, There's T-shirts, there's mugs, there's stickers, and you can get them there at patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. At the end of every episode, we'd like to thank the members at the highest tiers of our Patreon membership. So we want to th- first thank Brooke, Frankly Zappa, and Khalid. Thank the three of you a tremendous amount. You are a huge support to our show, and we thank you very, very, very much. Thank you, Kyle. So thank you all so much. Um, we want to thank uh, uh, the number one. Number one. Gaming the alphabetical system of my list here. So the number one. I want to thank a GameFan44. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much. We also want to thank Martyrus. Oh, Kristen. I oh. actually caught, I'm down to one final Ultra Beast. And then after that, I got a trade for the rest. So <laughs> progress. So I, I like that. Like, you could just like email, but like, you're like, no, at the end of the show, I got to tell her. <laughs> it's like a little conversation. Uh, I want to thank Martyrus, uh, host of the ReVGM podcast, a podcast devoted to uh, VGM covers and remixes. I want to thank Mike Myers. Thank you, Turianator. Alf person, Alex Messenger, host of a VGM Journey podcast. Uh, thank you to Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Warma, 
Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito, host of the Heroes 3 podcast, a podcast about Asian cinema and Kung Fu movies. Thank you, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Uh, Christopher Sendstrom, Chuck Kowalski, Davy Cakes, David Taylor, uh, Enchilada Bregol, Harold Howard, Jeff Mazziota, the Tri-Jeff, Justin Schneider, host of XVGM Radio, another podcast, Keith Shusterman, who um, actually up uh, shows up on the uh, on, well, on our radio station um, uh, uh, chat. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pretty thank you cool. very much for supporting us. Um, thank you to Michael Bridgewater, uh, a host of the uh, the past the old the old podcast Forever Sound Version. Uh, thank you Rage Cage, host of the VG Emporium podcast. Thank you to Reinhard Silkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson, host of the VG Embassy, and Zach Thornbach. So thank you uh, and thank you all. And, and many, many more for supporting our little program. It's very much appreciated. Hopefully, like I said, well, like Rob said earlier, we'll eventually get the radio station up and running, or who knows, maybe come up with some kind of backdoor way temporarily. I don't know. Yeah, it might. It's yeah, it's going to be somewhere else. It might end up on Twitch. For I, I'll put it on Twitch. It's going to be on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Rhythm and Pixels. <laughs> Until we can get this They'll thing They'll never back. find us. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be back up somewhere. And then... Um, in December, we'll be back on YouTube. YouTube's a b- better way to, to, to listen to this stuff. Agreed. So, so you can check us out there. Um, okay. So um, I don't think I got anything else. Um, our next episode is going to be our live streamed as the end of summer. So summer games challenge wrap up. What yeah, you play yeah, this what, summer? What have you played? We got some. We got a bunch of emails already. And wow, you guys have played a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Very impressed. I just want to play more. Yeah. I, yeah. Just got to get more. Get more in you, more time. Need twenty five hours in a day. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Four more hours in the day, I might spend sleeping though. <laughs> <laughs> I would just use them for other stuff and still complain about sleeping too. Not enough. Yeah, it's uh, just I could use more. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a great week. And remember, I kind of said it already, so I'm not going to go too much. Just know, I mean, not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to choose their jobs. I get it. I'm living it as well, but. By that same token, we can still sometimes manage to find some jobs that can we can allow to be less about the frustrations of work and more about the potential growth. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, you know, shovel up time for the man's dime, <laughs> feeling great all the time. But I am saying if we're spending the majority of our lives working, it doesn't hurt to try to find some semblance of joy or positivity or, you know, goal that you can meet personal goal not benchmarks that jobs do i hate those uh that you can have for yourself to kind of feel a little bit better about your nine to five you know making a little less of a trudge yeah so put it in do what you can and heck if some respect if you can make some kind of video game lesson factor into your day-to-day work all the better i've done it i do it (laughs) so good night